Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I'll be joined this week by 6th District Kansas City Councilman Scott Taylor. Taylor formally introduced his new Revive the East Side economic package on Thursday, November 30th, so we spent the majority of the meeting discussing how that might affect business owners and residents of the historic Northeast and the East Side in general. After the recent electoral successes of both the GEO bond package and the airport initiative, Taylor says that it's time to look at the east side and what the Kansas City Council can do to spur economic development on that side of the city. I also asked Taylor about his mayoral ambitions before switching topics to the short-term rental debate that he has spearheaded between neighborhood leaders, short-term rental advocates, such as those who use platforms like Airbnb and HomeAway, hotel and bed and breakfast groups, and many more area stakeholders. Before wrapping up, we move on to Kansas City International Airport and the 50-page Memorandum of Understanding, which was released on Thursday, November 30th. Taylor provides brief comments on how the process has moved forward thus far and his impression of the work Edgemore has done to this point. We also look forward to a key December 7th meeting of the Airport Committee. Without further delay, here is my conversation with 6th District Kansas City Councilman, Scott Taylor. As always, thanks for listening. I'm sitting here in the office of Scott Taylor, actually the, the legal office, not the uh, city hall office, so I appreciate you inviting me out here today. How are you doing this morning? Hey, very good. Thanks for uh, stopping by. Hey, no problem. Well, we have a, a few things on the docket. It's been a busy week up at City Hall. A lot is happening. And yes. uh, one of the things that was first introduced yesterday on Thursday during the, the council's legislative session well, I guess technically you introduced it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, in an official capacity, the Revive the East Side package yes. that um, you're kind of spearheading made it onto the docket. It looks like that will be discussed next week now. Well, actually, uh, it's been introduced. My plan, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, is to introduce it and have a lot of discussion both with council members but also the community. A lot of I uh, want to get a lot of feedback because this is really a, a, a way to start the discussion of uh, uh, investing more on uh, the east side and having the city uh, step up its role. There's, there have been some uh, some great work done by uh, council members uh, on the east side uh, in the last uh, six years and, and before, but um, we have a, a unique opportunity with so much momentum now in the city, a strong economy, Mm-hmm. And uh, working uh, with the public uh, this year on the geo bond and the airport, uh, I think we have a, a great once in a lifetime opportunity to do uh, something a little more comprehensive uh, while the economy is strong uh, to uh, support jobs on the east side, creating new jobs and investment. And it seems like the the council does have some some goodwill right now, right? I mean you. I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but, it, you know, you guys are on a, a pretty good run, starting with the, the GEO bond package passing relatively handily, and right. then you you move on to November election, and, you know, the airport issue passes 75-25. Uh, did you feel like with those two things passing with um, what, what you can consider a pretty strong majority of residents of Kansas City, that there maybe was a mandate or you had the momentum to, to do something like this at this point? Yeah, I think I think it's been a great community effort, uh, interactive. Uh, we've had in both of those cases you mentioned, we had uh, literally dozens of meetings, uh, council members, mayor, city manager, staff, out meeting with the community, answering questions, but getting feedback 
and uh, this this package is really uh, no different. I, I'm holding, uh, introducing it, but holding it literally until uh, on the dock until March of next year, so that we can have a lot of discussion and and get uh, feedback on maybe other things we can add into the comprehensive package. There may be some things we take out. Uh, modify, um, open for discussion, but I want to get that discussion started. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, uh, is a great time to do it, I think. Well, it seems, you know, having these big issues on, on ballots and, and having all these public meetings seem to be a formula for success. Uh, and I imagine you had an opportunity to go all over the city and meet residents and, and hear some of their other concerns saying, hey, listen, this is great, but... How about right here in my neighborhood, right? I mean, yeah, how about yeah. how about this issue that's affecting me every day? Or, right. You know, I, I don't have a store I can go to and get coffee in the morning within a, a few blocks or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how much of, of this idea comes from these meetings with people in the public and having the opportunity to sit down with residents when you're, you might be pushing another issue, but they have things on their mind that, um, you know, are, are more local to them even, you know, centrally in their right. neighborhood? Right. I, a lot of it, quite frankly, Paul. The... Uh, uh, meetings we've had on uh, the topics you mentioned, the, the, the things this year are, have been great. But we also, as you remember, the small business committee that uh, I chaired in the last council session, we went out and had, I think, 17 meetings, uh, invited small business owners. And we actually had the meetings outside of City Hall. Mm-hmm. And that provided a great uh, mechanism for feedback, honest feedback on what was needed uh, not only on the east side, but all parts of the city. So we addressed, systematically addressed, a lot of the things raised at those meetings. But uh, the things we've included here uh, are a uh, kind of a uh, uh, movement forward on uh, other things that we can do more uh, uh, holistically and uh, we'll... Uh, require some support from the city mm-hmm. that, that maybe we couldn't have done just a few years ago. And quite frankly, it might have, uh, there have been some great projects happening now uh, on the east side. And uh, because of that, I think we have this opportunity to create some connectivity that we didn't have just a few years ago. Right. So, yeah, I think you can point to uh, the investments that the city has made in uh, the 18th and Vine District. Uh, Union Hill is another big one, right, where... Uh, that area has really kind of blossomed, it, it seems like, over the last few years. Well, yeah, Union Hill, Beacon Hill, uh, Armor, uh, Truce, the, the, the Four Corners development that's going on there. Uh, Linwood, my, the shopping center. Linwood, uh, shopping center, significant investment by the city. Uh, our, our committee was very supportive. Of the Planning and Zoning Committee was very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have also, uh, citywide, I think the the, cha- the major change in this uh this council session with planning and zoning has been, uh, our focus has been more on the smaller neighborhood developments, the shopping center revitalizations, because you have to have the basic places to shop if you want to uh, maintain families and neighborhoods and attract new families into the city. And quite frankly, there are a lot of options outside of our city lines, especially, you know, representing South Kansas City. Right. We're constantly competing with uh, Overland Park and Leewood and the 119th Street Corridor, 135th Street Corridor. So uh, we have to make those investments. And we've worked very uh, closely with neighborhood groups 
uh, with our the tools that we have, such as community improvement districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Independence Avenue CID has been a great uh, model, I think, uh, for interacting with the community, improving the community. Well, if you're a... Uh you know, an East Side resident or somebody. Let's, for instance, you know, we I represent the Northeast News, so let's take Independence Avenue for now. Yeah. Um, if you're a potential business owner or uh, you know an entrepreneur in the Northeast area right now, could you maybe look towards as an example of, of what you're hoping to do here? Some of the stuff that's been done at, at Martin City to revitalize that uh, Red Bridge, another yeah. area that um, you know in the Sixth District where where you right. had a lot of a lot of work done there and um, have really done a lot to to bring back businesses and, and to bring new businesses there. Um, can you maybe look at those type of areas as a sort of a blueprint for, for what you're trying to accomplish over on the east side? I, I think so because each of those examples you mentioned have been community-driven examples. The, uh, the, the Martin City, uh, we worked, partnered with the uh, Community Improvement District and the local businesses to to improve the infrastructure, side, sidewalks, streets, changing out the water main lines because they were having uh it, it's hard to run a restaurant if you have a water main break uh three or four times during the summer <laughs> right and uh or more so we've, we've taken care of that uh businesses are expanding their red bridge uh, was a shopping center that was uh uh in, in bad shape uh, a lot of vacancies we came in with the, the neighborhoods, worked with the neighborhood leaders uh, to develop a really responsible, targeted package with the Community Improvement District, and uh, a lot of neighborhood support, and really have turned that around. It's, I think, at an 80, uh, 80% uh, space is leased out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some restaurants opening for the first time in decades right. in South Kansas City. Ward Parkway Shopping Center. Was uh, another one that we turned around. That that turnaround started a few years ago with the Community Improvement District. We're now seeing seeing the results of that with several new restaurants opening at the south end. So uh, we are uh, uh, more focused than ever on these smaller neighborhood developments. And really, it's a model that could work all over the city. And so we've we've done that uh, in other uh, parts of the city as well with a lot of shopping centers. What this package will do, though, is help enhance what's already going on. And, right. uh, our hope is to make it easier for people to feel comfortable investing in some of the business quarters on the east side, but also to uh, help uh, create an incentive like a, this local uh, tax credit for workers to, to create more hiring on the east side of, and, and create more businesses on the east side. So how, do, how does that local tax credit work specifically? I mean, if, if somebody's interested in, in taking advantage of it, but they don't know where to begin. I mean, hypothetically, how do you, uh, you, know, how do you envision this operating? Well, I think it's uh, what, what we're doing is basically the uh, earnings tax. Uh, if you're an employer that decides to open a new business on the east side mm-hmm. and uh, you want to hire somebody from the east side from a high un- unemployment area, a uh, unemployed veteran, or other uh, 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 areas, uh, there's currently a federal tax credit for this uh, that uh, pays for a part of that person's uh, uh, salary or, or fees, and uh, but it doesn't cover it all. And so right. what we're doing is taking the earnings tax and uh, matching that if, if that's already uh, in process. But even if it's not in process, uh, the idea would be to, if you hire somebody from the east side, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we used a very wide geographical area, which is uh, east of Troost, over uh, uh, basically uh, 
all the way uh, up uh, to the to city the river, limits on the east, right? To the to the east, and then uh, even as far south. I want I thought it was important to include Ruskin right. in this because sometimes Ruskin gets left out of the, the conversation. Sure, yeah, I worked out there for a while, so yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've seen seen how that plays out. And, yeah, yeah. So the idea is hire people. Uh, we're creating uh, a something we can control at the city. We allocate uh, for a five year period. Uh, pick up a portion of their fee and if if you match it with the federal credit it could pay for an employee Mm -hmm. most of the uh, uh, salary and it's it's an idea that if you can create these jobs they're more it's initially creating the jobs is the difficult part once they're there they they will stay there right and uh, the company will grow and continue to hire more employees so that's one uh, aspect of this is to create a uh, local worker uh, tax credit mm-hmm. uh, to encourage employment on the east side specifically. And now that that seems to be one of the core tenets of this plan, this idea that uh, you can take that e-tax money, re- um, reinvest it in your own business, and continue to grow it exponentially uh, You know, right. as the years go by. Right. Um, are there any, I mean... I guess a better way of asking this is uh, you've kind of intimated that at this point, this package is kind of a living and breathing document. You want feedback from the council. You want feedback from constituents. Yeah. But are there some other core tenants that you would really like to see in the final final piece of legislation, whatever ends up getting Yeah, approved? I mean, I think all, everything we proposed is – I'd like to see in there, but more, quite right. frankly. And so we've got uh, we've got to make it easier for the – Smaller developers, and I look at Brookside East as the example, 63rd uh, from Troost over to uh, the uh, uh, Brookside Shopping Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an area that was basically vacant um, just a few years ago. We passed an, a comprehensive uh, development plan as a council and supported it strongly. And since then, you've had a, a few smaller developers come in. Uh, buy building by building and mm-hmm. rehab the buildings, put in housing, put in a lot of small businesses. Uh, the old Cleveland chiropractic uh, building uh, has a new glass facade, completely leased out. It was basically vacant. Now all small businesses, it's a hub of small businesses. And that all happened just in a couple of years. Uh, but it took uh, community support, council support, and more of a strategic plan like we're proposing here for the east side, uh, which is to look at the business corridors, enhance them, um, uh, put in, uh, take care of some of the steps that a smaller developer has to go through in advance. So being proactive like we just did out in uh, the Bannister area to spur development around Cerner, we passed a PIA plan. Mm-hmm. And so what that does basically is take make it easier for a smaller developer that wants to invest their life savings in a development right. uh, to move forward and reduce the cost so that we can get those jobs and those businesses, the small businesses in to help the community. It's sort of like, is, is, is similar to like an enhanced enterprise zone or something of that nature? Yeah, and, and, and EEZ, quite frankly, is uh, we're trying to uh, expedite the process so that uh, we already have the EEZ program, which, as you know, uh, creates jobs. And so mm-hmm. you have a, a company on uh, Truce, like Alpha Energy, that uh, we use the EEZ tool to help them expand their business on Troost, just, mm-hmm. and, and council approved that a few months ago. And so what we're trying to do is anybody that uh, could create jobs on the east side, we want to make it easier for them to make that investment and actually do it instead of just talking about maybe doing it. So 
uh, we've got that aspect. We've got um, uh, the uh, in the Blue Valley Power Park. Uh, we have a lot of great industrial companies right now, manufacturing companies, old line uh, manufacturing companies that still make things in Kansas City. Uh, but we have a lot of capacity there to, to grow and create jobs for the east side. Right. So this uh, uh, the local tax credit uh, for workers is one aspect, but you also have the electrical utility license fee that's paid. The city can waive that and put it into a reinvestment fund uh, to encourage more hiring on the east side in the industrial park. How much is that fee? Uh, so we're talking thousands here or... I yeah I mean it would be impactful for an individual company I don't know the exact uh, right. fee rate but um, it's something that we could add in uh, as a, a reason for a company to create either create a new facility there or expand and create more jobs so a sweetener essentially to try to create get, more get jobs. A project going job creation that's right and so the other uh, thing that we have is the uh, uh, with development happening, and uh, this is uh, I use Beacon Hill as an example. We've had great success with new new housing in Beacon Hill. Right, there's a ten million dollar home development fund that's included in this. Well, we've got the home improvement fund because mm-hmm. we I, I think that's important um, uh, to have a fund uh, for uh, and, and looking at it in a block by block basis mm-hmm. of home repair uh, that'll make a tremendous difference in neighborhoods. But uh, with New development, the concern is always gentrification. Right. And so we have uh, a uh, part of this uh, ordinance would ask uh, the city manager to work, and I've already had discussions with our housing departments, but uh, to work with Jackson County mm-hmm. to put in place a mechanism. So if you're a uh, homeowner on the east side uh, that, that's been there 20 or 30 years, newer development's coming in, uh, you're concerned about being priced out of your, taxed sure. out of your home, uh, this will put in a freeze, basically, strategically. Uh, for on property tax? On uh, property tax, that's correct. Okay. And I know that's an issue. Uh, people are concerned about that in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're very close to downtown. Right. It's, uh, it's appealing for younger families, artists, things yeah. like that. Uh, but, you know, along with that, there are families that have been there, like you said, for 10, 20, 30 years who are saying, wait a second, you know, I've been... I've been in set roots and invested in this area my whole life, and I don't want to be priced out now that right. it's you know becoming a viable place for for families and business and yeah. engagement. So no, that's uh, exactly right. And I think it's an important issue we address uh, because you we we want the new development and investment, but we don't want that driving anybody. We want people to be able to stay where they raise their family and. Uh, uh, maintain their home and be able to to, to afford it still. Cool. So. Well, uh, we'll hear a lot more about this over the next several months, but I, I guess I wanted to ask you briefly, what, what kind of feedback are you getting from people in the community, people on the council? Uh, do you feel like this is something that is, is gaining momentum, or does there, is there still some work that needs to be done on that front? Well, it, it was just introduced yesterday, right. so I've had uh, positive feedback from a lot of in the community uh, and, and, and getting the discussion started, and that really was the uh, the important part of it because, you know, you've seen uh, just in uh, uh, one day yesterday at the council all the different things that pop up. Right. We have a lot of things on our plate. Sure. It's very easy to get for the council to go off in another direction. My main uh, uh, concern was that we need to have this discussion started now. Uh, we, we Airport vote is over. 
we need to refocus our efforts and uh, put more resources on the east side. I, I think it's something the full council will be uh, supportive of. Um, and so we'll, we'll continue uh, discussing it and starting to meet with uh, people about it more and get into more details. Cool. Now, I, there has been some I, like some talk in the press about this being like a politically calculated uh, package as well, because obviously uh, you've announced that you're running for mayor. There are some uh, there's a colorful article in some of the local media stuff about what what the the true ambitions are, something of that nature. Obviously, uh, you do have ambition, but um, do you you don't feel like this is you need something like this in order to, to boost your mayoral campaign or anything of that nature, do you? No, I'm uh, I'm chair of planning, zoning, and economic development. So right. in in the last six years, I've been on that committee. Uh, we've learned a lot about what's worked in the city and what needs to be done. Sure. And so I'm really focused on uh, this package as a, an economic development package mm-hmm. for the east side, including Ruskin, which uh, uh, we have had uh, uh, you know uh, many discussions with uh, both the councilman McManus and um, and. and, and uh, Councilwoman Kennedy and, mm-hmm. and Barnes on, and so um, I, I'm just looking forward to this discussion with the community on uh, the, these things, which I think will uh, make the city better. Because I think we need the whole c- city to succeed. Mm-hmm. All parts of the city need, need to be able to succeed in, t- in, in order for Kansas City to, to continue moving forward with the momentum that we have. We we did talk about this before the boundaries. I think uh, the cutoff was Fourth Street on the north. I, you know, I did hear say uh, people around saying, "Are people around the northeast saying, well, it would be really nice if it went all the way to St. John.'" <laughs> I'm sure, sure you've heard a lot of that, and that's something that seems like it is pretty uh, malleable still. Oh yeah, this is this was a uh, starting point, mm-hmm. and, and I expect there to be discussion on that. So I look forward to the discussion. So. Good, definitely. Yeah, and it, I'm assuming that there will be an opportunity then for the districts represented that that represent the northeast to, to have some meetings maybe down there as well to, to as we're going through the oh, community sure. process definitely oh look forward to it definitely cool yeah. well speaking of things we're looking forward to and, and and a lengthy community engagement process yeah i guess we should talk a little bit about the short-term rental uh debate that's been happening uh you've been kind enough to kind of let me sit in on some of these discussions between a lot of different stakeholders in this in this issue right. i mean from airbnb to people affiliated with Expedia, to the hotel industry, to bed and breakfast, to neighborhood leaders. Um, It's really been an interesting debate, and I think a lot of people bring up really strong points on all sides on this thing. It it sounds like we're we're getting pretty close, and... um, there's there's been a couple compromises packages they're putting together. Right. Actually, uh, you intimated to me as as we were getting started today that we might see something on that yes. within the next few days by early next week, maybe. We we will, and I you know it's been a uh, a good discussion and uh, interactive process and uh, tra- transparent. I'm, I'm glad you were, were able to cover uh, those meetings and uh, the hearings we've had because uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, something that uh, you know, this the short-term rental. Uh, a lot of people refer to it as Airbnb, but it's Expedia and their other home away was another one that was yeah. discussed. Yeah, and so uh, it's already. Uh, I think it's important for uh, people to understand it's already happening right now in the city. We have we've heard testimony from quite a few people that are already on these platforms, uh, leasing their space, their their home out, either a room or the whole home. Um, 
while we haven't had any real um, uh, uh, complaints, at least my, I, I've not received any uh, from these uh, happening within Kansas City, Missouri, um, uh, it's happening, but it's not regulated. And that's the concern that we have no input on the process. And so what this ordinance will do is put in place a framework like other cities have done recently around the country um, and put in place something that uh, protects citizens but also allows this new platform uh, to move forward as we did just a few years ago with uh, Uber. Right. um, there are a lot of parallels, I think, with that debate too. Uh, with, I think so. With, with the Uber, to, you're you're coming up with a something that's kind of like busting the current system, so to speak. And I guess is it? I mean, strictly speaking, is it is Air, Airbnb legal in Kansas City, Missouri? Well, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a gray area there, isn't it? Or it it, it is because it's not uh, it's not in our ordinances right, right now. So uh, it's uh, it. It's happening, uh, but we have no way to technically enforce it other than our, our traditional uh, regulations. And so what this will do is put in place a protection for neighborhoods, which I think is extremely important because this is different from Uber. Uber, uh, you have the option of picking up, uh, having a car pick you up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is with, with strictly within neighborhoods in, in a lot of cases. It, right. This is some, bringing individuals into your community. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I, I think it's important we have that protection for neighborhoods, uh, including uh, a, a process uh, that uh, there's notification and the, uh, the opportunity to uh, object if they uh, if, if there's a case where that makes sense. So um, we uh, started down. Uh, this has actually been a longer discussion than since it's been at council. It's been about a two year, two three year process. Right. City staff. Working with a lot, I think there were six outreach meetings out in the community, um, and so the uh, version that uh, of, the, of the ordinance that uh, moved forward went to the city planning commission. They they changed a few things, and uh, since then it, it's come to the city council. We've had two hearings, about five hours of public testimony, approximately. Right. Yeah. Another substantial public testimony during those hearings. Substantial, and we want to make sure everybody had the chance to um, testify and give us their opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we uh, started having repeat testimony, which is fine. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of anecdotes, uh, personal anecdotes, people saying, "Well, I met a lot of great people and, and things like that." I mean, people right. who have done it really seem to have embraced it. That, that's correct. I think that's true. And then there there's still strong concerns by our, our neighborhoods. And, right. And I put a lot of stock in that because we have uh, neighborhood leaders that have, uh, you know, been in their houses 30, 40 years. And, Along the same lines as the gentrification issue, right? They've yeah. been here. They've helped build this city into what it is. That's right. Let's not leave them in the dust when it comes to having, yeah. having a say in the future of Kansas City as well, right? Having a say uh, and also protecting uh, from a, a public safety standpoint, that's that's one of our responsibilities as a city council. And so uh, what we are, uh, what we had was basically uh, divergent views at these hearings. And uh, you saw uh, really almost complete opposite views. And so what we decided right. to do is to Oil put and together. Oil and water. Oil, uh, yeah, that's, that's one way to put it together in the... Uh, Putting together these uh, work session groups with people that, that came in and testified at the hearings to get all different views in the room together to allow us to talk through the issues. And I think you saw when we did that, 
that we were able to come to agreement on some of these items, such as the enforcement. Right. Um, one of the concerns by the neighborhoods is that um, there's not enough, and I agree with them, we, we need more funding for enforcement generally, uh, but we need something specifically for this program. Um, and so there's a funding mechanism built in now that we've all agreed to on the fees. Right. We've actually modified the fee structure uh, so that neighborhoods will have uh, enforcement ability um, and we'll have staffing for that. Right, and it Paid was for by the industry. Right, it was, and that that's the key the key point, right? That, that you just made at the end that it was actually an advocate of the short term rentals who who ultimately said, yeah, you know, there's enough money in this thing that right. we'd be happy to take a small cut and you know set that aside so that the city can hire more enforcement officers and right. make sure that you know people are are meeting city codes when they're, when they're putting up their homes or their apartments right. or whatever it may be. For uh, you know Airbnb or HomeAway or, or some other short-term rental platform, right? I mean, right. So I, it, I think that was a big step for for that side of the coin to say, well, sure, you're right. We don't want people who aren't up to city codes. You know, we don't we don't want people who are skirting regulations. We we want to do this the right way. Right. So, right. Operating in good faith, I think, was one of the the big things that allowed that that meeting to proceed and allowed you know allowed allowed that group to go from kind of butting heads on almost every key issue to saying, well. Okay, you know, yeah. maybe we can come together on some stuff here. So, right. Um, so, I guess ultimately, what's your impression? Are we going to end up opening it up to all the residential districts with well, with some qualifications? If uh, well, let me let me uh, continue. So, the uh, at, at those discussions, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the industry is looking. At, some of the representatives are not from Kansas City, so we're explaining to them. The differences in Kansas City. We have strong neighborhoods. We also have a process that neighborhoods are used to having a voice, and uh, and we use the example of uh, the uh, liquor consents. Mm-hmm. We have a once in you know unique uh, process where you have to get uh, the consent of a percentage of the eligible consenters within the radius of the the business. Mm-hmm. And while this is uh, a residential. And a different thing. It, it, there's a tradition of having that voice by mm-hmm. neighborhoods and uh, different things. It, it's the same thing a few years ago or recently as of a few years ago. We have a, uh, a similar consent process if you're putting a daycare in your home. Right. Um, and so we need the neighborhoods to have a voice in it. And so that's one of the things they they probably prefer not to have that happen because other cities have allowed them not to, to do that but right. I, I tried to explain to them um, pretty forcefully that Kansas City's different and we have strong neighborhoods and uh, we need to adapt our ordinance for what we do here yeah I think a common refrain during those meetings on, from you was that we need to find a Kansas City solution right? yeah so something that, that that's right fits what we do in Kansas City not because right. not, I, I mean I think the temptation is for a lot of these national people who are actually you know Going all over the country, having these same debates with municipalities, you know. I mean, right. you see stories all over the place. I think, you know, Nashville was one that I've, I've seen a lot of where they're having these debates. And they're, they're saying, well, this is how we do it in New Orleans. This is how we do yeah. it, you know, here or here. And you say, yeah. well, hold on. Don't compare us directly to some of these other cities because this is Kansas City. Right. That being said, are, are there any cities that you think are actually 
maybe a guiding light or it could be a blueprint for, for what we're ultimately going to pass here? You know, I think every city is different, and that's why we need to make sure what we pass uh, addresses uh, is a compromise for all uh, parties uh, but protects neighborhoods. That's really the, the thing I'm, I'm concerned about. And so uh, what we'll have is, uh, and, and since the last uh, uh, hearing and the last work session meeting, uh, we've had several people propose different versions of the ordinance. Uh, staff had been working on uh, their version based on input from these meetings. So what uh, we're doing is combining uh, kind of the the best of all of these uh, into one version that will be presented uh, Wednesday. It'll be at, should be out today. Uh, staff was finalizing it uh, as of last night. Uh, and be sent out to the parties that have been attending these these hearings and expressed an interest. Um, okay. And then we'll plan on having another hearing Wednesday. If the committee uh, is ready to move forward, we'll move forward with a recommendation. If we need to take more time, we'll take more time. As I said, we, we want to get this right. So, so this is a uh, the next opportunity then for the public if they're interested in in participating in this discussion or just really weighing in or or just listening yeah. would be Wednesday that'd be December sixth at the one thirty uh, planning and zoning meeting. That's correct. It? That's correct. Okay. Good. I know we've taken a lot of your time already here today. So Sounds good. <laughs> sorry about that. I did want to just briefly touch on, and then I'll let you go. I promise. Yeah. I know you have stuff to do besides chat with me today. <laughs> um, but on the the MOU was just released last night for for KCI the the uh, memorandum of understanding with Edgemore. Uh, now there's that kind of kicks off a whole new phase of this this airport process, right? We've had the vote. Now we've got an MOU. You know. Fifty pages long. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing yet. I don't know if you've had a chance to read the whole thing yet either. But uh, what what does the process go like from here? Uh, you will hold a hearing. Will it be discussed in? I think I heard airport. yesterday that it would be discussed during an airport meeting next Thursday. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. So airport committee at nine thirty next Thursday, December seventh. Okay. And I guess I wanted to ask you uh, generally, since this document is is thick, and you'll have the weekend to look it over, but um, what, in terms of the process, how satisfied with you? Are, are we still on schedule, essentially, now that we've got an MOU in hand? Um, it's We have an MOU in hand, that's correct. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I raised is I really think this needs to be a transformative project. Mm -hmm. It has to be inclusive. Uh, I would personally have liked to have seen uh, Edgemore hire local companies, minority-owned companies, Women own uh, women own, run businesses, and publicly announced that uh, early earlier in the process, even before the airport vote. Right. I haven't seen that yet, and I what I'll be doing is reaching out to the community uh, to see uh, uh, how that uh, process is going. Because uh, the concern is, once you sign off on the MOU, you lose any uh, ability to. To achieve those MBE WBE goals uh, uh, completely, because you know, unless it's written in a way that uh, provides a solid commitment and uh, the figures are significant, and the community benefit agreement part of it also is a concern because I'm not sure that that's uh, completely wrapped up. There seems to be some language uh, depending on uh, the FAA, FAA's approval. Mm -hmm. And what I'd like to see is a commitment by the company that if uh, uh, that they will indeed fund this, regardless of whether FAA approves uh, the, 
the way it's set up now. Right. And the amounts uh, that have been uh, talked about. So I think that's what I'll be looking for. What I've seen bandied about is uh, 35% uh, minority and women-owned businesses is kind of their goal. I'm not sure if that's just relative to construction or is that based off what the, the council put forth in, in the ordinance? Right, and that's uh, and, and how it's written, and uh, the uh, where they're at in that uh, process, and so that, that's why I want to have a discussion with those in the uh, community that uh, uh, this impacts, and uh, this needs to be transformative and inclusive. And uh, you know, I haven't I've been pretty vocal about the selection process in general. Sure, uh, uh, and I continue to have concerns about uh, the way uh, it was done, but. Um, yeah, that was kind of madness at times over the summer. But, uh, and I know that yeah. you stepped up and actually said towards the end of the process is that, you know, in a perfect world, you would have liked to see a local company like Burns & Mac have an opportunity to kind of see this thing through. Uh, that being said, uh, do you, could you speak to maybe your impression of how Edgemore has stepped forward? Are, are you satisfied with the way that they're operating in good faith with the city at this point? Well, they're having uh, a lot of meetings I just commitments are more important to me than meetings and right. hiring local and making those commitments, hiring minority owned businesses, hiring women owned businesses. I haven't seen that yet. And uh, that that's a concern. So, sounds like you want to take a look through that thing, have that meeting next week, get some things solidified before you, you, you speak to that necessarily and uh, your, your confidence in the process moving forward. That's correct. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go. I appreciate you taking this time and sitting down with me today and look forward to seeing this stuff through over the next couple of weeks and, and several months. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for taking the time. Okay. All right, everybody. That'll do it for my conversation with 6th District Councilman Scott Taylor. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you next time.